this is Tomorrow's Bite Podcast, the podcast where Andres and I are diving with stunning guests into their stories, challenges and opportunities, all backed by food, allowing us all to get inspired, gain knowledge and grow. And today we talk about... I had an accident when I was young, about 21, and I almost yeah, broke my neck and died. So it's a big thing when you are a young person, but I think it was the best thing that happened to me. The guy said to me, Jasper, what's the coolest thing you can say to your kids? What job would that be? And I said to him, oh, having a chocolate factory. When I started in 2015, my idea was, okay, what, so what do you want to achieve when you have the book out? I want to get food into the museum. There was one person who was there, she was blind. And she said to me, Jasper, this is one of the greatest ways of experiencing art. Most people, they tell me what, what they see, but I have never seen before. The biggest challenge for me was to get people to understand what I was doing. So I started to tell that story every day for three years, every day to, to a person. In Tomorrow's Bites, we strive for unique perspectives of the food industry, like the one of our today's guest, Jasper Lindenkamp. He is a food artist who, with his work, is achieving what he defines as his mission, bringing food into museums, some of them as prestigious as the Rice Museum in Amsterdam or the Metropolitan in New York. Jasper is a doer, believes in the power of action over ideas, and has an inspiring story. So stay tuned to understand how art can change your view. Well, Jasper, thank you for joining this podcast. We always like to use the first question to let the guests introduce themselves. So who are you and what mission are you behind? So, yes, my name is Jasper Uditenkaat. I'm uh, yeah, I'm the creator and founder of Creative Chef Studio. I call myself an artist and I use food and the world of food to uh, create meaningful stories. And I do that since 2015. I'm married, have uh, two kids. Uh, yeah, that, that's basically what I am. And um, my main mission is to, uh, to to get the world to the next level using storytelling with food and everything around it. But uh, I will talk about that later. What is everything? Okay. Well, it's interesting that you say uh, that you started this from 2015 onwards. Um, is it also because... It comes a bit more to your childhood and like the the, the person that you shape. How how did it actually shape your path that you changed in 2050 to this? Yes, <laughs> that's interesting. So uh, my my mother is very creative. She's she's from a very creative uh, background. Uh, everybody is artist or a writer or poet in that family, and my dad is. Uh, scientists and uh comes from a really uh, entrepreneurial family um and th they always said you just chase what you are after in your life but uh in my mind i was thinking okay i th i think they expect me to do something at the university my dad was actually a professor uh or, or yeah so um i wanted to become an artist or a musician uh but um 
uh, yeah, something in my mindset. I think my parents want me to do to do go to law school or something, something like that. So that's what I did first. But during law school, I found my creative, um, yeah. Uh, how do you say it? My, 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 my way to, to, to express my creative feelings, uh, through food. So I started a company co- cooking for, for friends and parties, etc. And, uh, that's when the fire hit me about food. And, um, in the end, I, I, I didn't finish law school and I did art history. And when I finished art history, I started to, to, yeah, to be a cook, <laughs> a chef. So that, that's how it came. And, um, but the, 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 I always wanted to become a, 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 an artist. So when I was cooking, uh, during, uh, for, in five years, after a while, I, I was thinking, I want to do something with the art, uh, love I feel with the creativity. And slowly, uh, I added storytelling and I added all those kind of elements I love in life, art, food, music. Combined together, first in a in a cater company called Food Jazz and DJs, so I could go to a place, cook food, and then play some music. Um, and, and but, but later on, yeah, it, it, they, they I couldn't yeah, really do it re- the way I wanted to do. So in the end, I I decided I stop calling myself a chef, but I'm I'm starting to call myself an artist, and and I have a studio called Creative Chef Studio, and that was the turnover. That, uh, that my work changed. Um, uh, and I, I didn't got called for cooking food, but for creating art. So it's a long story, but basically, um, yeah, my, my, my background formed me as, as I was, and it was a journey. So as a teacher to your professional journey, that is a topic that we will discuss widely in this podcast. The word co-founder is widely repeated in your first jobs in LinkedIn. Is this entrepreneurial spirit key to understand who you are? I think uh, <laughs> you noticed that really well. I think um, uh, the co-founders thing in my in my LinkedIn profile is about um, always wanting to get new projects from the ground. So I, I always find people around me, and now I do it under one name, Creative Share Studio, but all those projects I still do are also co-founded. I, I work together with other people to get stuff done. And in the first years of my career, it was about yeah, entrepreneurial uh, ideas and getting businesses from the ground. So I had a uh, the, the, the cater company, a cooking school, a, a chocolate factory, um, all kinds of things. Um, but later on, I noticed that those companies were like, when you when you found them, when you're a co-founder, you have to work at those companies, and I only like the founding aspect of of these companies. So, um, yeah, so that, that's what it is. I think um, I'm, I'm a startup guy. I'm not a, a yeah doing it, doing the stuff. So, um, but that's 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 the thing uh, in my character, and you can see it now in my work as a. As an artist, every project for me is a new f- founding uh, thing. So that's what I'm good at, I think. And the other stuff behind the founding is not what I'm good at. So yeah, that's 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 a typical thing about me and my work, I think. But how do you deal then with other these diff- different projects that are open as well? 
yeah, just deal with him. <laughs> uh, that's, I think, a part of my character. I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure. Some people say I have, uh, I don't know what it is in English, but AD, ADHD, you know, going everywhere. Um, I'm, I'm not like that. Uh, I can focus really long times, but I have constantly, I have ideas. And, um, when I uh, want to go to sleep, I still have ideas constantly. But when I write them down or, or when I do those ideas or do, do, do something with those ideas, it, it, I don't have to really get them done. But sometimes just making a sketch or something is, is really good. Then my mind gets at, at ease. And I also think when I cook, really the act of cooking is also something that gets my mind, okay. Now I'm focused on cooking or focused on making music. So I, I think the, the, what I'm doing is also the result of, of my, uh, well, yeah, how my brain works. I think if, if I don't do this, then um, I cannot sleep. But, but, but then how, how was the first time, like the, the first step that you took to create a company? How, how was that? Because I, I can understand that this like, you, 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 you're gonna wait the consequences. Uh, you're gonna think about it, maybe. Yes, I know what you mean. Um, well, basically, I'm not a really a lot of people overthink stuff. Um, I don't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's basically it. I, I don't overthink stuff. So I just do stuff, and then I, I see if it happens or if it works, and if it doesn't work, then. I move on to the next project. And I think in the beginning, I was like, uh, you, you are insecure as a, as, as a young person. Is it going to work or, um, what, what will my parents say or something like that? But I had, I always say the, the lucky, um, um, thing happening to me that I, I, I had an accident when I was young, about 21 and I almost, yeah, bro broke my neck and died. So it's a big thing when you are a young person. But I think it was the best thing that happened to me because I, I realized all those ideas which you have in your head, why you just don't do it because it can be over in one minute. So I think that combination with, uh, with the fact I, I wanted to create stuff, if it's in your blood, like my, from my mom's side, then it's in you. So it has to get, get out. And then, and if you have nothing to lose, if you can realize that really on an early stage in your life, then yeah. Then there's only one thing you can do uh, is to live your own life, not live the life people expect you to live. So, so yeah, that's so you can go to a dozen coaches or people who think what you should do if you don't feel good in your in your career. But there's only one advice I can give you: just do the stuff you want to do, and that's that 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 gets your you as a person out there. So you have to be just you, and then do the stuff you want to do. That is that that is uh, completely beautiful, Jasper. If you let me. Okay, you define yourself as a food artist, and I have a honest, I have a honest question for you because I am a cinema geek, and I think that is a fair question to do to a person that calls them himself an artist. And what is art from your point of view? And a next question that could be along with it is: would be how can food be art? Okay, that's a, that's a really big question. You understand because a lot of people stop with the question, "What is art?" But for me, art is the thing that uh, that allows you as a person 
also in the public domain who, uh, um, to, to, to step out or outside of the common ideas which are living in the world. And you, you are capable and it, you are also respected for it as an artist to say stuff or come up with new stuff, which somebody else who isn't an artist cannot say really easily. You understand? So as an artist, I can give you a plate of food, which is really horrible to, to eat. But people still can go away with that learning like, wow, I experienced something very special. I think that's the power of art that you can create um, new ways of uh, yeah, surroundings or uh, visuals or, 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 or anything in a way that uh, you can tell a story uh, which, can, which, which, which will impact your life. Or your ideas about stuff. It open. It, it has the capacity to open you up as a person. I always. I always say uh, um, the story about a ripe or an unripe peach. I will tell you what I mean. When you are not an artist, uh, uh, then you are something like a ripe peach. It's a. It's a peach. You eat. You take a bite, and you. 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 You expect a sweet one, and you take a bite, and it's sweet. It's good. You like it, and you. That's what it is. But when you uh, take a bite of the peach and it isn't ripe, then there's something wrong with it. It doesn't fit what, what your expectations are. So some people throw it away when you're a right-wing voter. Like, well, if you vote VVD, <laughs> then you, you throw it away. And when you're left-wing, uh, you, you put it in a bag and you let it ripen a little bit. So it becomes ripe. So, but the, 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 the situation about the ripe peach is the same. But if you are an artist, you can say, okay, I'm not um, a, a ripe peach. I'm an unripe peach, but I give myself a different name, uh, the tomato peach. And you can uh, buy me between the cucumbers and the tomatoes, a different flavor, uh, which goes really well with fish and other dishes. And it's really firm and nice and crispy, uh, sour. So, but they accept it because... It, it's 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 a different. It has a different uh, place. It has a different. You understand what I mean? So, I think that's the power of art: being capable of putting stories out in a different context that will connect you with a new vision or a new thing. And it can also be really simple. Some sometimes it's it's just uh, it touches your heart because it's beautiful. Yeah? So that's. But but I think good art is is more than that. It can do more than that and. Um, and there's something about food, why I like to use it, because it, it, it has this, the same power, I think, as, as music has. It can give you goosebumps for it in an instant minute. It comes in you. When you hear a beautiful song, it can, wow, this is, and it's universal. Everybody likes food. It's universal. And for, for visual arts, um, there are also universal things, but you sometimes have to learn about it a little bit to understand it. So I think food and, uh, and, and sound are, I think, more powerful than, than paint to, to express. It, you can enter somebody quicker and better. And that was the reason, I think, uh, apart from the, the, the fact that I like food and I, I was a chef before, but that was, I think, also the, the main reason, I think, why is that? Not as much uh, around uh, as you you would expect. If if artists want to tell stories to people, why not you use food? So that's the reason.
Wow. And what are the biggest concerns from your own side on the food industry? And how do you tackle them through your work as a food artist? Yeah, that's also a big question. But if I, if I understand you right, it's, you asked me, what do you think about the food system or something in a broader way? Is that correct? The problems, the challenges, no? Yeah, the challenges. And one of the main <laughs> problems is, I think the, the biggest problems is that uh, we are human beings and we talk with each other and uh, we make always a big mistake, I think, in um, trying to convince each other. So we lose a lot of time trying to convince each other what's the good way to uh, uh, to to create a good food system. And then it, that, that, that discussion about what should we do becomes like uh, a monetizing thing. So you see books around this, this, this stuff and more people begin to talk about this stuff. So we lose, we lose more time. And then in the end, a lot of people are really not, uh, are creating podcasts like we are doing now and talking about these things uh, because it gives us meaning, but that's the problem. The, the food system problems shouldn't give people meaning, but they should be solved. And I think what, what the good thing is, what we should do, uh, and what I try to do as an artist is to, uh, I was, I have this project. It's, that's, that's a good example. It's called the Futuritarian Supermarket. And it, it's about how can we as a people, so not as an artist, and I said it to you, but we together, the visitor, the experienced person, how can we create together a new way of thinking about uh, the supermarkets, how, what should be in the supermarket? And uh, I call it the futuritarian supermarket because uh, the futuritarian is a nice word that isn't um, a vegetarian or a vegan or a meat. It's it's like a a hopeful um, a name for a person who wants to have a better future. And it doesn't matter if he's he or she is a vegetarian or he has an opinion about stuff. There's only one thing we have in common. We have to go forward. But if you have that mindset, then you listen to each other and then you, you start doing stuff instead of talking stuff. And I think that's the main problem we have now. And um, I see it a lot when there are these gatherings, people trying to, to change stuff and, and trying to shake hands with each other about uh, new ways of thinking about the food chain, etc. And, and you have the, the boss of the... The, uh, some big companies, but yeah, they only talk. So <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, think that, that that happens. So I think as an artist, my job is, and I like to, uh, my job is to do that exactly that, that I open up minds for people and uh, yeah, create little communities where we can move forward instead of talk about who is right or wrong. I think I'm going to start calling myself a futuritarian as well. Yes, yes. you should. You should. <laughs> Seems like a concept that really resonates with what we want to do. There is another concept that is quite related to your work, probably, and that concept is the food design. Uh, could you explain what is the food design? Yes. So um, I call myself food designer, but th th there was a, a movement, I think it was started with with uh, Marty said it's a, a famous um, Spanish guy who, who started to use uh, in his artwork and his um, yeah, his, his designs started also the world he, 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 yeah he used food in visuals and in mindset and thinking 
But so that, that was the beginning. Um, and it turned out to become something arty, right? So you, um, strange dinners and, um, but in the end, I think later, later on, uh, food design, uh, is the thing that uh, we as artists, people and designers, uh, came to the knowledge of when you use the ideas, uh, how to design or create stuff in design or art or in architecture, anything, when you apply those ideas onto food, maybe we can use it to create better, a better world. Um, uh, a more more sustainable um, way of uh, cooking f- stuff, you know. Um, and I think that that is for me what food design is. And then there's a, a big school which is more about uh, uh, the the more arty vibe around food design. Uh, they are the they are more the guys who are from uh, in Holland Eindhoven, or you have a big school in in uh, Milan, uh, in Italy. And there there's this layer of um, how do you say it properly? Yeah, the more, um, yeah, creative way or so, yeah, it, it, it becomes more like an art experience style thing. But I think what I do isn't really food design. I think what I do is what you call is like, uh, eat art or food art. You know, it's, it's different. I don't design food to, to become more sustainable. I design food to tell a story and I, I i tell stories as an artist and a food designer is is yeah yeah is like he he, not, he knows how to make a really good sustainable packaging for a product i think that's the the, the core the core thing about food design and while i'm t- saying this to you it still is a i'm not i'm not sure how what food design really is but when i recap this i would say Food design is the way is using the techniques of the design and art world to yeah, create better projects products around food. I think that's that's what it is. But yeah, it's also like a box, right? Yeah. So now that we had a chance to discuss a little bit about being a food artist and the design part, we believe that we now have to be more prepared to discuss well your amount of ongoing projects. It's a lot. And one of these, where I think we have to start with, is uh, your fulfilled dream of creating your own chocolate factory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Meshokke. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, chocolate. Um, I will tell the story. So when I started Creative Chef Studio, I thought I want to, if you want to start out as an artist, you have to become uh, like an authority. So my idea was, or my... Um, my thing was, uh, so when you write a book, you are an authority. So I started to write a book, uh, and uh, it, it, it got published, and it, it's a nice book. It's a cookbook about how to create uh, the most imagine the most crazy food experiences. So it's not a, a cookbook about what to cook or what to eat, but about what to do around the food you prepare. So um, this was brought out, but while I was writing that book. I, I was thinking about, okay, when you make a dessert for somebody, um, how cool would it be if you create your own miniature chocolate factory uh, and you create the chocolate and you tell that story to somebody when you serve the, the, the chocolate in the end, that it was from your own chocolate factory. 
that was the starting point of, of a chapter in the book, which never got published because it, it, it yeah, it, it, I, I couldn't angle it in the book, but the idea stuck with me. And then I was sitting with a friend of mine, uh, and, uh, we, we were getting both. We had young kids that were two or three. And, um, the guy said to me, Jasper, what's the coolest thing you can say to your kids? Uh, what, what job would that be? And I said to him, Oh, having a chocolate fa- factory. So uh, then uh, we started to do some research, and uh, in the end, um, we emailed 25 bean-to-bar chocolate makers from around Europe. One of them, they, they answered. So from the 25, one of them answered, and our idea was to create a chocolate bar created by them, and we just we would sell it in the Netherlands. But we went there, yeah, and, and, we, and we went there, and... Um, it's, it's called Chocolate Naive. It's the, it's the factory. Really cool. They still exist. Really cool guys. And they showed us around in their factory. And I took a, um, yeah, a sample from the fresh chocolate, which was grinding over there. And it was like one of those, uh, Proustian moments that you, 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 uh, you taste something and your mind explodes. I had never had something like this. It was like a new flavor for, for me. Bean to bar. Uh, chocolate with really good beans, uh, where they, where they had their own say in how long it, the beans were fermented. And in, in the end, it was for me like a, an insane moment. And we, we, we bought around 500 bars from them, went back to the Netherlands and we sold it. And from the, the profit we had from that, from those chocolate bars from the Eve, we bought our first grinder, uh, uh, to, to, to make our own chocolate. So, we started out in the kitchen, literally at home. And then after a few months, we had our first recipe of the, the bar. And uh, we launched it at a chocolate festival. And uh, suddenly it was a company. <laughs> and then um, I was uh, thinking about it. And then my company, my, my, my friend also said, well, I'm too busy. The other guy is a doctor. And I was just starting out with, with this story I wasn't talking about now, Creative Chef Studio. So two other guys came in, Luke and Pear, and they are now running the chocolate factory. And um, we're just in the background, and sometimes we, they, they give us check chocolate. But that's how it started. And um, it's nice. And, and what we always say, we do it like uh, other chocolate companies should do it. So we... Um, we have uh, 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 straight connections with farmers who are not in the big, uh, uh, yeah, scam of, of not so nice uh, businesses around chocolate. But we are um, uh, getting the beans straight from them, and uh, we make it. That's why the price of the chocolate is also a little bit higher than uh, most of the, and the taste is different. We also think that that the chocolate will become in a few. Years, I think, will become more. It will, it will, it will become get into the fashion that we had those those years of coffee, and like ten years ago, everybody had black coffee, and now we can choose about arabica beans and stuff, and we can. But and we're really on the flavor of coffee. I think that will happen a little bit with chocolates also. Um. So so that's 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 about chocolate story, and 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 we still make. Uh, the, the, for the last project we did, we, I had a project for the Groninger Museum for the, uh, the Rolling Stones uh, uh, exhibition. And uh, we had to design a, 
of I had to design a, a, um, an, an eating experience around that, that, that exposition, uh, exhibition of the Rolling Stones. And we uh, created like a single of chocolate. So we had a chocolate single and uh, they made it. So we still work together. That's, so that's nice. Another of your ongoing projects is the Museum of Taste, not the SMAC Museum. Now, can you explain how did you come up with the concept and what is the mission of this museum? Yeah, so the mission, so, so uh, when I started in 2015, my idea was, okay, what, so what do you want to achieve when you have the book out? I want to get food into the museum. So the simple, the most simple idea for me was not to start a restaurant, but a pop-up museum. And that was, that was called the, the Museum of Taste or Smack Museum. But I was thinking, what should I showcase there? What, what should, should I exhibit? Um, well, and I worked already together with a friend of mine uh, near Utrecht in a garden and, um, he grows, uh, seeds and food, stuff for, for, for a famous seed shop in Dordrecht. It's called Vrekens Zade. And they have all these kind of old heirloom varieties of, of, um, yeah, vegetables. And I was thinking, that's an interesting idea. Maybe uh, uh, we can do something with it. And <clears throat> he grew uh, an old uh, tomato for me. So there was a, like a tomato which dates back from a seed bank, goes back to the 1930s. Um, and he also had a seed for um, uh, carrots dating back to 1892. So that was kind of interesting and I was uh, talking with him and then he brought me in contact with the, the CGN the CGN it's the Central Genes Bank the Netherlands from the Agricultural uh, University Wageningen and <clears throat> I found out that there are 25,000 uh, more uh, plus um, varieties collected over there since the year 1850 so I was wow imagine um, what what is in that seed bank then well for instance, there, there's not one cucumber, the green one we know, but there are like uh, 120 or 30 varieties all put in that seed bank in a different year. Some, some, some of them were put there in the 30s or 50s or earlier. But if you imagine that, 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 that like a, a cucumber from the 1920s has like uh, more than 20, more than 100 years, no human interference. So the flavor is also different. So, uh, and some of those uh, plants can be put back in in the world. Uh, so, um, thinking about checking that out, I came up with the idea. Maybe it is cool to create uh, a yearly collection or, or uh, find out uh, of heirloom for, uh, vegetables and the varieties of, of plants you you can eat. And maybe we can add some stuff you are not accustomed to eat, like edible flowers, etc. And I create like a, a garden where you can experience those plants. I can let them, um, uh, I can tell the story behind those plants. And uh, in the end, people sit down and eat those plants <clears throat> so they can experience the stories of the past. And uh, in the end, I would also give them uh, seeds of those plants so they can plant them in their own garden, if they have a garden. So you also... Uh, yeah, uh, are also, yeah, uh, it's, it's good for biodiversity, right? So that was the, the plan. And I started out and in the first year, there were like uh, 20 eaters in the second year, uh, more, et cetera, et cetera. And now we do this once a year. Uh, we start in February, March, 
um, to, to, to plant the seeds. And then we create the garden. And then in the end, around the first weekend of September, we have one big uh, summer lunch. And uh, I tell the stories of the collection of this year. And then uh, people eat uh, history. And uh, they also get to know about uh, that there are more colors of cucumbers than they would think. And that uh, carrots from 1893 are not as sweet as they are now. Uh, so that's a good thing. I think that they learn by eating. Very. And I, I, this sounds like an ongoing uh, project. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm planning to to to. I think the the projects of this this project is like the the DNA of the food I serve. So all projects where I use food, most of them are all of them, but sometimes not. But they're all re- you can all relate them back to the Museum of Taste. So there's always something with. With where I was inspired by a plant or a story behind a plant that goes into another art project. So it's it's I think it's the it's the fundament of my work. And then the the other project, Creative Chef. How did that start? It. No, so so when I started, I decided to uh, found to be so to become an artist. Um, but if you're an artist, everything is around you, right? It's about Jasper. And, and then it's about, but I was always thinking when you call it Creative Chef Studio or the creative, the studio of Creative Chef, then you can do more with it. So basically I see Creative Chef Studio as a place where uh, I work as an artist. I also work together with, with a, a business partner. His, calls, his name is Jeroen. And uh, basically we can do Two things. We can uh, create artwork, artworks made by artist Jasper, but we can also uh, design something for your company uh, as a creative chef studio. So we use um, sometimes some works by Jasper, but we, um, uh, if, it's, if it's not fit for a museum or, or if it's not an artwork, but a good idea, we can also use it to help a company to brand their um, their way of thinking, to, yeah, to, to brand their product or something or like that, right? So, for instance, the the, the design around the Rolling Stones um, exhibition that's more a Creative Chef Studio thing. We we come up with creative ideas and we execute them, uh, tell a story, um, and it's by Creative Chef Studio. But uh, when there is a museum who wants to uh, do an exhibition about about food design or heirloom stuff then they 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 call creative Chef studio can Jasper go to this in this place and um, do a presentation or a performance or can he create an artwork for this exhibition and I think that the creative Chef studio part is the part that is more flexible to also yeah uh, do other stuff than only art you have done several projects when it comes to your work in the Creative Chef Studio, but there is one in particular that has been a, definitely a huge success that is called the Taste of the Dutch Masters. You have exposed it in the Rice Museum, in the Topolitan Museum. Can you explain what was about it and why do you believe it was so successful? Yeah, I think um, so. It, the, the project it basically is um, uh, is my way of turning. Um, um, art into uh, a way of eating. So, uh, exist, uh, this art existed already. So, it, I took a painting, a still life painting from 1612, uh, uh, painted by Floris Klaasson van Dijk from the 17th century. 
and it's like a food still life. You, you see a big cheese, you see a cup of wine and fruit, etc., like the typical food still life you know. And this this is one of the most famous ones out there in the world. And I was asked to do something at the Mauritz house. Uh, they in The Hague, they had a, a an exhibition about food still life. So I created a 3D you know, box. Uh, and if you stood in front of it, it was like a, a flat surface. But when you took a good look at it you saw it was a yeah a, a box where you could where where it, where you could take the food out of you know so it's and we tried to make an exact copy so the 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 bread in the in the in the in the box was um, based on a on a, a 17th century uh, uh recipe uh, uh and um we used old uh grains etc um and we did that and people liked it a lot. They took a lot of pictures and there was one person who was there, uh, who was with, uh, with some other people who were physically visiting the, the show and she was blind and she was, uh, feeling, uh, the, the work and uh, she smelled it and I gave her a taste and she, and she said to me, Jasper, this is one of the greatest ways of, um, yeah, experiencing art. Uh, I have ever had as a blind person because most people they tell me what what they see, but I have never seen before. So that brought me a re- on a really good idea. So years later, two or three years later, uh, we recreated the the painting uh, and we used it it's, uh, for an exhibition at the Centraal Museum in Utrecht, and we um, uh, created like an audio tour using binaural sounds. So you could hear the placement of the products in the painting. We uh, added electronics uh, in the shadow parts of the painting. So you could feel heat where the shadows were. Uh, we used smell. And just before going into the experience and feeling in the painting, uh, you could uh, uh, you could eat something. So, so you can taste the, the painting. So... We created it for blind people, but it turned out also to be a really cool experience for people who can see to uh, understand how it would be to be a blind person. And uh, that became a really big hit. And it it, it went uh, all over the world in, in every news uh, item. So we did BBC World and, uh, well, it was crazy. But the coolest thing about that project was for me that for the first time in my career, uh Multiple times there were people who were blind. Uh, after the experience, they cried because they had um, never experienced this before. And that's for me also the, the proof of the power of using storytelling with food, uh, with scent, with all those other things. That it, it's something very powerful. And looking at stuff is uh, the thing we do most of the time, right? But but that also makes us a little bit lazy. And if you close your eyes and you um, experience something through food or through storytelling or through sounds, then it it it, it gets to your heart, right? And I think um, that was the, that project for me was the the best project we did and uh, in my career till now. And it's yeah, I think it's it proves that that food is uh, a powerful tool. It's a beautiful project. And uh, beautiful experience that you give away, uh, Jasper. Can be proud of that. Thank you. <laughs> and I, 
I, I can also imagine that with all the projects that you have, you also will face a lot of challenges along the way. Can you take us maybe on the biggest challenges that you have encountered? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> Where can I start? Well, after a while, you uh, you get used to it. How you do your work, but I think the 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 biggest challenge for me was to get people to understand what I was doing. So we were talking about the peach in the beginning. Uh, so uh, to convince people that you can eat an unripe peach, right, or be a be an art yeah, that, that you can. Uh, uh, creates uh, real art with food. That was a really hard thing to do. So in the beginning, uh, the people from the museum hired me as a caterer and uh, the people from events hired me as a creative guy, but always catering. It was always about, where's the chef? Can he, can he cook some real nice dinners? And uh, that was my biggest struggle because you need to, get your story out and do stuff and earn money, right? Um, but you also have to say no sometimes because, yeah, you don't want to be uh, that cater guy. And if you, yeah, so that was a really big struggle. And the other struggle was, um, uh, I think also to get, um, I think now, I think that's the, what I was talking about. That's the biggest struggle people to understand you because that's the basics of everything. Um, and after a while it, it turned out that it, it, it worked. So then slowly you, 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 you get more and more creative uh, jobs, etc. but still now um, people um, sometimes do not understand what I do, but yeah. Okay. That's just what it is. Right. But I think those, those things are the biggest struggles. And, uh, if you can think of another struggle, there are a lot of struggles, but yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, th there was one struggle. That's the, <laughs> the Corona time struggle. <laughs> it was like, uh, I do music, food and arts and events. And that was not the, the, the easiest thing for me <laughs> during Corona times. That was a big struggle. And yeah, for the rest. Apart from struggles, I wanted to know your opinion. What is something that food startups need to take into account from your point of view to create a bigger impact in the food industry? Because and then you're an entrepreneur, you have your own ideas of the food industry, and maybe you see all these startups, all these things, uh, thinking new products, but maybe you think that they are missing something. Yeah, I think. Um... What startups should think about is that, that, that they don't, uh, have to wait, uh, to get to, 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 to yeah, that to, to happen, that things will happen. My, my opinion is when you want to change something, you don't have to wait for the money to come to your, to your account to, so, so that you can do something. Uh, you can already start. So just start doing the stuff you would like to do, uh, and, and if, if you don't have the budget, do it in a small way, right? If, if you want to change the world uh, by um, serving a new menu, just hire uh, um, uh, two chairs and one table and, and, and ask two people to sit down at the table and serve them that idea. And then make sure you film it and get the story out, right? And then maybe something will happen. So what I always do is when I have an idea, I don't wait till the idea can be sold. I make the idea and then I see if it if it will, will work, right? 
So I think wasting time waiting is the thing uh, you don't want to do as a as an entrepreneur or startup person. And always do what you want to do, not what you what people expect you to do. Right? And um, the world is out there. There are lots of opportunities. The only thing that's that it's holding you back is the the world around you, the expectations you think other people have about what you should do, and you, the stuff you know about other startups around you. They do this, so they are successful. Now, the only way you can be successful if you find yourself and just do what you believe is good to do, and if that means that that you don't want to uh, uh, invest in this or don't want to. Um, the best thing I, I, I would, the best thing is I, I stopped uh, having a, a, a really good big office. Uh, when, I, so people come to your place and then they see your place and, oh, this is a really cool place. You, you must be very successful. And I was like, okay, that's a, that's a waste of money. So just find a place where you can do your stuff, do your work. And when they come in, you can say, well, this is how I think. This is my way of. Uh, being a startup or an entrepreneur uh, and it, it, it it's who I am and I think I believe in it and it's not how other people think you should do it but this is how I do it and uh, well if you have that mindset then the mindset will bring you to the next level and the mindset will bring you to the dreams you have and um, I always and I always say when you have that mindset then you can also set yourself a goal so that's a, a good example when I started at, at, in 2015 and my book came out, somebody asked me, so what do you want to achieve? And I said, so I want to get my food into the museum. And um, the coolest museum there is in, in the world would, would be the MoMA in New York, the Museum of Modern Art in New York. So if I can reach that goal, I'm happy. So people like that, 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 that thing saying, that, that statement. So I started to tell that story Every day for three years, every day to, to a person. So every day since to the end of 2015, I talked to somebody and I said, so what do you do? Or, hey, I'm Jasper and yes, I'm an artist and I want to get my food in, in the MoMA, New York. And I started to incorporating that message also in my work. So everywhere, every call, phone call, and then every email, I, I would make a, a connection with New York and my dream. So in after two years, I got a spot at, a, at an exhibition in Milan, and there was a person who, who listened to my story, and uh, she asked me to come to an exhibition in New York. So I was, well, so in two years, I was in New York. And then I was there also telling this story, my dream is to get into a big museum. And, and after uh, like a month, I got a phone call, can you do something at the Philadelphia Museum? Okay, that's a good stuff. So talking about this dream, um, uh, yeah, turns all these knobs on around you and uh, you will uh, get help and you will achieve the goals you want to achieve. So if you have this, that, that, that dream that, that seems really far away, if you know who you are and what you want, then set that goal to you and, and talk about it. Don't wait for stuff to happen, but do the stuff. I wanted to ask you what what advice would you give to your younger yourself, right? But I think I I know the answer. Yes, <laughs> just yes, yeah. But then you can give more advice to to, to people. Eh? So yeah, <laughs> I think big. That's also a big a good advice. I think you have to think big. 
and then uh, and then and then uh, see if it's if it can be done at this time in 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 place and moment, right? I, we have a tradition to this uh, podcast where the previous guest leaves a question to our next guest, and the previous guest is uh, not a food artist, not a chef. So it's in a total other world, right? So within the food. And he came up with um, the following que question. Um, how do you see the future food in 10 years? In 10 years? <laughs> okay. In 10 years, nothing has happened. Uh, we have some more sustainable packaging maybe and some laws about... Uh, uh, cans and um, etc. Et but not a lot has happened. Uh, maybe there are some taxes uh, on sugar. But in 10 years... Our plates will not change? Huh? Our plates will not change? Not not a lot, I think. <laughs> that's maybe uh, the, the answer you don't want to hear. But in 10 years, that's not... Uh, <laughs> there's not... There's, yeah, I, I don't think uh, a lot of will happen. But I think slowly, in about like 40, 50 years, um, we'll, we'll get more accustomed to eat more uh, vegetable-based food, so less meat. I think that will happen because the story is now around us. And uh, when I cooked 10 years ago for uh, a person um, in, in the rich part of the Netherlands, they would eat uh, uh, game and, uh, and deers and stuff and uh, and truffles, etc. And now they want vegan food. So that's a big step. I think that will go on. Um, but it always goes in, in curves. But slowly we'll get there. And um, I believe uh, in like five to ten years, we, we get more food into the... That's my dream. More more food, future food stories in the in the schools. So kids would learn about it. So they 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 get the, the knowledge about we have to do something about it, and then slowly, 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 in like sixty years, we eat uh, not as much meat as we eat now, but I think we still eat meat, and um, we have this, these new cool technologies which give uh, Earth more space. So when we go up and down, then there's more space for trees. So hopefully there will be more nature because of a different food system and using technology. Hopefully we also eat more varieties of, of, of cucumbers, not only uh, the market garden green one, but also the little ones, the yellow ones, etc. And um, I, th I think we would eat more cactus <laughs> because it's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think we, we, we learned really cool ways to use uh, stuff like duckweed and uh, I believe in those new technologies seaweed, using seaweed. I use a lot of seaweed now in my own food to, to get that nice kick in your, in your, in your flavors, that umami vibe you, you want to have in your dishes. So I, I think we would eat a lot of more of those things, but in the short answer, in 10 years, it's quite the same. Well, that is, that is how it is. Eh? In the end, the answer we want to hear is the truth or your vision of the truth. So that is the important thing. And we also have another traditional question, more personal maybe, but also really important. And you have to answer because the question is, what is your favorite food slash dish? My favorite food? Oh, that's a big question for me. 
Um, yeah, it's really hard. I think, um, yeah, I think that, that, that goes back to, uh, yes, I know it. It's, it's, uh, it's Booyah Bear's soup, um, which I had when I was little on a holiday with my parents. And it was the first time, uh, we went to this chic restaurant and I can, I can remember it. And I, I had this soup with, with the lobster stuff and it was crazy for a young guy in that time from, for, to eat the, that kind of food. So I think that soup is like the benchmark of, uh, the best food there is in the world. But, uh, and that's because it has a memory. It, it, it stands for my holidays with my parents and my love for the French. Couture, uh, French food, etc. So I think that's my favorite dish ever. And for the rest, I really like uh, plants and edible, edible flowers. Uh, that, that's more. I'm really interested in plants and botanical flavors. Well, then thank you, Jasper, for joining this podcast. Uh, I will for sure to the audience go to the Creative Chef to the Nail page because there is like a really big amount of projects there of Jasper that I believe that they are super cool. I had actually more questions about them because in the end, uh, it's in my opinion, like what you're doing with your job is try to test the limits a little of what can be done with food. And I believe that that is really good for anyone that is interested in the food innovation because what you're doing is just thinking out of the box and trying to bring like these stories and then these new ideas. Again, thanks for joining, Jasper. Uh, I hope that this has been a, a nice conversation for you. And yeah, we wish the best for your work. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It was nice to be here. Thank you. <laughs>